This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 podcast. Um, I'm Ben Platt. Thanks for continuing to listen to us. Just a quick one before we go in to um, the mad week of QPR. I just want to say thanks for everyone to keep listening. We keep getting record listens every year, every year, every week. Um, considering what's going on at the club at the moment, for everyone to spend some time listening to us moan and be negative and use it as a therapy session. Um, thank you. And yeah, I mean... I guess when things aren't going well, <laughs> it's good to know other people are feeling the same as you, right? Anyway, right, let's get in. Um, I mean, the one thing we can say about QPR is it's never, ever dull, is it? Like we're doing these podcasts and we report on them and we talk about them and I barely remember a week where nothing's happened, right? But <laughs> this last week, is, is, it's just right up there with one of the maddest weeks, isn't it? Just quickly, the last time we did the pod, we obviously, we've lost at West Brom. Um, God knows what tactics we played. I mean, parking the bus is probably, <laughs> is there something else? Parking the ship? I don't know, something bigger. We've managed to get to 60th minute and then our, then your left back has just gone some mad tackle. Your centre half has just been booked for coming on too early, being subbed and being going off injured. Then decides to shout at the referee in his face and scruff up the penalty spot, um, spot I'm told is what he got booked for so he's sent off it all goes to pot we end up losing and uh, probably would have lost anyway but yeah we then go to Leicester top of the league what is it 13 wins in 14 or something like that played generally quite well <laughs> um, and as we're doing well we then go down the to 10 men because you said it midfielder who's just scored a really good goal, he's having a good game, decides to get a yellow card, two yellow cards in the space of two seconds by pushing someone the player over. Ridiculous. Right in front of the ref. Couldn't be any closer to the ref, the linesman. Then your manager gets sacked two hours, three hours after the game. Four hours after the game, apparently Warnock's coming in. 
it's all signed, sealed, delivered, as everyone put all over social media. Um, to then now where we are today, still in the same week of the last pod, <laughs> we've we're now just I don't know what's going on, but we've just <laughs> something's just gone on social, and we think we're about to employ Marty Sifuentes. I think I've said that right, Jack. I don't know, but I think I've put that going. <laughs> um, I mean, lads, I don't know where to start. Just quickly, we've got Duncan on the pod. We've got Jack Supple. We've got Chris. All, you guys all back on. What, thanks for coming on. Who wants to kick off? It's an open room. Right, well, finally, long overdue, Ainsworth has left. Okay? We can all now celebrate the fact that hopefully we're going to see some sort of football being played again, rather than, like you said, parking the bus, the ship, the team hotel, the new training ground, whatever he put in front of the goal to try and get a nil-nil at West Brom. That was the most anti-football I've ever seen in my life. Well, I was going to say, I think I've finally come up with a reason why what happened to Jimmy Dunn. I mean, the Hawthorns is the highest altitude in the country. So obviously he had a bit of a nosebleed and lost his head a bit and <laughs> got a bit dizzy. So it, the only reason to explain that bit of a moronic action, but yeah, I'm, I, I, with you, Dunk, I mean, I'm sad on a human level. It didn't work out for Ainsworth um, from a purely, you know, footballing reason. He was, it was a disaster, wasn't it? You know, absolute catastrophe. And, um, you know, we'll get into the stats in a bit, but I'm just on the red cards. I mean, we didn't have a red card last season and now I've had four since mid-September. And it's the earliest into a league campaign that QPR have ever received four red cards with match day full thing. So it's just an unbelievable, like, lack of discipline, lack of respect, you know, going on for the fans, the manager, it's the badge. It's just, yeah, just the players are just acting like idiots. And uh, since the start of last season, now it's the most defeats in the championship than any other side. 32, 32 losses since the start of last season, which is crazy. Before we just quickly get into everything, because um, I know there's lots of stuff to get into, QPR have just posted a video about the Vatican City, the Pope being announced. <laughs> um, uh, any ideas? What's going on? Do we think? So, obviously, Ben's not as educated as I am. Um, so <laughs> with the Vatican, no obviously, uh, when obviously a new Pope's announced, the um, colour of the smoke changes from the chimney. It's normally black um, and then it goes to white, depending yeah. on the burners, burning a certain type of paper. And the video is now saying it's blue and white with a new manager basically about to be announced. Right. So, so we're just waiting to see. Those specific relevance. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be funny if it was Warnock? <laughs> <laughs> would it not be funny if it was Warnock? Just come out. Oh. <laughs> That's if Wentes, and if they build out Warnock in a in the Pope outfit, that'd be hilarious. But I think any minute now we'll we'll see, you know, who the new manager is. So it's quite exciting. So, if it is Marty, is he going to do like a live stream from the changing room at Hammerby? <laughs> well, they've just conceded uh, two. Thanks for having conceded. me, guys. <laughs> so I've just had it on in the background. They've just conceded two last minute goals to draw two yeah. two. So it'll fit in nicely then. <laughs> Yeah, but they scored two goals at home. Take True. that as a positive. Yeah. P- playing nice football as well. Yeah, one of the goals, I think I think it was from the game today, their second goal. That was a great bit of football. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, but um, I think the first thing I want to say is 
there won't be some, some sudden miracle. Like we will not suddenly be back to playing incredible football on Saturday because he's had, well, he won't even get training session tomorrow, will he? Um, so where did that leave us? When Wednesday, Thursday, so you'd think two sessions before the game Saturday. Um, yeah, but is it enough for the players to have some sort of basically more positive positivity around them and uh, a feeling that they can pass the ball around and get a bit of creativity going and just just play like they want to be there, I guess. Or sorry, not that they want to be there. I think that's probably a wrong way of putting it, but feel that they're I don't know, not not massively restricted or don't just have to hoof the ball, can have a bit of confidence. But again, these are the same group of players who have lost what feels like basically every game for the last 365 days of the year. So inspiring confidence is a difficult thing in itself. Um, but yeah, the just want to echo Jack's comments. I think, it, yeah, very sad for him on a personal level. I think we really wanted him to, for anybody who saw him as a player and really enjoyed those times, you wanted it, you wanted it to work. It would have been a great story to tell and kind of feel, I don't know, a bit like a fairy tale-esque, but I mean, just had the complete opposite effect, didn't it? And it was, it was just not fun. Um, I think any fan would have been going to QPR in the last, well, definitely in his time or before that. And you, you didn't, really felt excited to go to games like that's just you go in we said this on last week you go in because it's kind of your duty as a fan mm. and that's not you don't want to feel that way you go in and kind of being like yeah probably gonna lose again but i'm here it's just saturday we're out i'll still i'll see the people i like spending time with and then you move on but yeah we need to get just some positivity going around Everywhere. I'm garrifying to us there. Like right go going right back to the start, as in when he was appointed. Obviously, we were in a, just as a mess as we are now then. Um I actually at the time didn't think it was still not the right time for him either. I didn't think what was going on was the right time. Like if you think he was he was he could have had the job at any point in the previous four or five appointments, right? And he and he and he didn't. And all of a sudden now, he was what we needed. And I, I, I still didn't think we needed it, what he could bring. I got, I got, I, I understood the reasoning, I guess, behind why the club employed him. We needed someone to come in and, and motivate and, and, and be a bit passionate and drive the, 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 the players through the rest of the season. That quickly didn't work. We, I mean, I think everyone, after a few games, quickly understood that that wasn't working with that group of players we had. I just, I, I just don't think it was ever, ever the right appointment. I think there were massive red flags all through last season. We ignored them all. We said them on the pod many times, um, and we thought a summer, maybe bringing in his own players, maybe trying to drive this culture that he kept talking about. Maybe we'll come through and we'll see it. It'd keep us in the league this season. But again, from it won. It just didn't work. You know, you think about Watford. What what happened at Watford? Minute one, really. We won. We were. One nil down within thirty seconds of the season. I don't think that's great. And, I, and though there was a couple of wins in there, other than those wins, 
it's just not been great, has it? I just can't think of anything, even this this season, other than I don't. I just and actually thought it, it, at the end he he was his job just became untenable. He, he was he was never gonna he was never gonna be successful, and it was a case of just putting him out of his misery. And when that was going to happen, and I thought the board held on for way too long. He should have been gone after the Blackburn game, really. Um, that was the moment that he should have gone. We all knew that. Vince National break. I'm not sure why he didn't. Um, but that was my kind of reflection. Yeah, I think with just to like jump in really on Ainsworth. Yeah, um, you know, he 28 games, five wins, four draws, 19 defeats, only 20 goals, 52 against. I mean. Pound for pound, you know, you look at all his stats, pound for pound, that's the highest losing percentage of any QPR manager with more than 10 games in charge. So, he, but I think he's got so much credit in the bank as a player and with the context, I think you should, as a fan base, maybe in future, we remember maybe the context in which he came in, you know, the slide that, the, you know, the team were on last yeah. season, the players are down talked with different managers, the lack of resources to spend in the summer. There's a lot, Going on in the background there, the uncertainty of Les going and no replacement, board being a bit absent. It's a lot he had to work against. And, you know, there are, you can defend him to some degree, but, you know, on the pitch, Ainsworth and, you know, his coaching staff require a massive buy-in, you know, from the players to believe in what they're, what they're, you know, they're selling. And our, I don't think our players ever really did um, as a collective. And I think it showed and, a lot of frustrated players, arms in the air, shouting at each other, not knowing what to do. You know, maybe the red cards are a sign of frustration, a lack of direction. And I think, you know, just look at some of the, the and call it the lowlights, you know, in terms of his stats. You know, we won one of 14 Loftus Road under him. He set a club record winless run at home. It's currently 12 games. We never scored more than two goals in a game in his tenure. It's just there's so many stats that just point to him being one of the all-time worst managers in the club's history. But I think it's important to remember the context of which he came in. But yeah, I I think I agree with you, Ben. He should have the Blackburn probably should have gone earlier. You know, the, the writing was on the wall, I think. And you know, when when there's teams that have won more games at Loftus Road than QPR in the calendar year, we're obviously not doing something said on previous pods, was always the federal our season's points tally and when we don't have that it feels very shaky underneath and the league table reflects that so you know in terms of you know looking at who was going to come in and the managers and you know we thought it was going to be Warnock that made a lot of sense on paper someone that knows the league has got experience of getting teams out of the mire for whatever reason we don't know that maybe hasn't come to fruition and it looks like it's Sifuentes he seems a manager to me that you know very set style of play. Can't profess to have watched much Swedish top flight football in the last year. <laughs> but that, you know, he is manager likes to pass the ball. And I think that will be a welcome change visually. It's just as Chris alluded to, he's only got a couple of training sessions if he comes in next day or two to get that going before Rotherham. Is that enough time to really implement it? Can we afford to have weeks and weeks of bedding in a new system? Should this have been done in the international break? Goes back to that point. Dunk, you got anything to add, mate? I mean, um, look, you you were someone who um, <laughs> saw the saw the well, not the, well, I think we all so, saw the signs, but you you were you were the one that um, 
you know, were quite loud about the fact that he wasn't the right man in the summer. But I think as I was had that opinion when he joined last what March. Yeah. Like like we've said, like why now? Why was it then? Why all after ten years at Wickham, so many managerial changes at QPR, why was he never in the like like line up for it before? And he's shown for me anyway exactly why he wasn't like going to be an option beforehand because like the style of football what style of football can you say he implemented any kind of style of football i thought he was going to make a solid and really hard to beat i didn't see that a couple of occasions like the burnley result last season but i was a fluke though like, that was a fluke wasn't it exactly i mean like i didn't see was... any kind of long-term plan yet the board saw a long-term plan by giving him a three year deal three and a half year deal i don't understand that element to it get him in see how if he keeps us up fine then go from there i i you can see in his face like we all remember him as a player we're we're in like an era that we watched him and you look at him from when he joined to when he's left how he looks in himself he looks like a broken man and none of us wanted that for him we all wanted him on what we said a personal level to succeed but he just wasn't the right man and if it is going to be the Sefuentes, i worry it's going to be a massive kind of gamble on getting the style back of football that we had maybe under a beal slightly under a critchley i don't it just seems to be again short-sightedness of having those stars of play, then bringing Ainsworth in, completely mixing it up and shaking the bag to try and get a different set of performances out to go back to what we had before. It just, nothing seems to flow and fit right with me, with how the board and the higher ups are making these decisions. I think, yeah, I think, I, actually, go on, Chris, go on, mate. You haven't spoken yet. Go on. No, I think that's the, I think that's the absolute key. It's almost, it almost feels like, uh, Ferdinand left his laptop open all these months with his list of managers because we've been linked with him multiple times, right? Either when uh, when we got Beal in, linked again when we had Critchley. So he's obviously a manager that club have been looking at for a decent period of time. And it's kind of like the board have been like, oh God, well, we've got no footballing brain here, i.e. a director of football or someone with that. Uh, that experience and that know-how and they've gone right get Les's list back up who was he talking to previously cool well he was we nearly signed him before should we bring him in now and they'll look around and they're like yeah yeah we can all agree there and again there isn't I was going to say there's going to be no QPR there might be like five QPR fans from the QPR Swedish fan club who know what this manager's like, realistically know what else does. So he might be God's gift or he might be truly horrific. None of us know, but everyone will give him an opportunity. But like you say, it is. it does just feel like a, a big risk when, in theory, the option of Warnock is there, which is, yeah, it is a short-term move. I think everybody can admit that we're going right it's the end of till the end of the season you got one job just keep us up so we can survive and then we can look again and make a, a longer term plan but it seems the board are like no we'll go with what we feel is a longer term strategy now is that the right thing to do 
you don't know at this point, but it, it just feels less safe than going for Warnock right now. Or equally yeah. a, a different championship manager who had experience, who has um, well, kept teams up. He's been announced, lads. There we go. Like, it's just, I've just had the notification come up on my phone. Um, yeah. So he's the first Spanish manager in QPR history. Um, Is he? Yeah. Uh, would be the youngest permanent QPR manager since Magilton. So he's a bit younger than Bill but not as young as Magilton when he took over. And I think is as none of us are going to be experts or know too much about him. Just, you know, looking at what he did last season, Sweden, he got Hammerby third, which gave them the opportunity yeah. to play for the Europa League, but they got knocked out in the qualifiers to FC Tottenham. So I didn't quite make oh, it. Jack, you've ruined it all. I had it all here, ready to go. There. <laughs> Listen to this though. You haven't got this though, right? Slatan Ibrahimovic owns them. So, there you go. All right. Quality. Zlatan so can come in as striker coach, change Lins and Dykes around, and we will be in. It was Lee who's he interviewed him. And for the release. <laughs> can you imagine that? Oh, my days. So, uh, there you go. He's got his... Look, he's done... His, his record's pretty good where it is as what he's done so far. But, you know, we're in the championship and it's QPR and it's just... Oh, and God, we're, it just what, five points off safety? Like that's the big thing. Well, we're in a relegation zone, and we're bringing in an untried manager whose best experience is top-flight Swedish football. Like yeah, this I, is a last I, throw of the dice gamble. I I've got a different view on it, Doug. I, I know what you're saying, but I think that I would have been more annoyed or more frustrated or or less engaged if it was just another mould manager that would just keep churning out. You, you know, I just. Something out of the fox, something different was what we've always said we need on the board. I'd appreciate now is probably a tough time for that to happen. It'd rather it be in the summer or in better circumstances. But we've wanted a foreign manager for a while, someone who could do so, offer something different, can play different football, rather taking us out of the mould of, you know, you know, your Holloways, your McLarens, Jimmy Ford, all like similar mould type of manager. I don't know if anyone else agrees, but I appreciate that the timing is difficult for him, right? What's the plan if, if this goes, you know, tits up and we don't win another cup? Do you know what I mean? Things, it just goes back to the short-sightedness of, like, not making this decision, like, after the Rovers game. Like, have the international break, get him in. He's at week and a half, two weeks to get to know majority of the squad, get a little bit of a system in place. Yeah, he was going to come back to some tricky games. But what does it matter? The whole league's a tricky league. There's no easy games. You say this every single season. Like anyone can be anyone in this league. Like I, I, I think, just feel the timing's just completely off. With it. I think, um, I think, I think, I don't know. Any, I think the board felt like they owed it to to Angel for whatever reason to give him another couple of games. I don't know why, right? But I, I feel like, but I also feel like this Warlock thing. I, something else has happened here. I don't know what. I don't know. Like, have we not gone to him? Have we gone to him? Has he turned us down? Has he? Did he not fancy it? Could, like I don't believe they, that the we couldn't afford him. That's that's not the issue, is it? So, what is the issue? Well, what well, not the issue, but what do we do? We think there's more to this, or do we think this he was our man straight away? I think, and I read, I honestly can't remember which uh, fan account tweeted this out, but when 
when it looked like Warnock was going to be announced, which was probably early, like 24 hours ago, and goes back to what you were saying at the start, that so much changes in a short period of time. But was whilst Warnock might have been the right person, would he have just been, oh, the board appointing someone so the fans will just all be on board? So it's like paying us lip service and so they don't get a negative reaction. I don't know. You can basically every appointment you can give the pros and the cons. But that is when I saw that tweet, I was like, yeah, it's probably a good way of thinking about it. Um, but you still have to balance that out with. But he, in theory and on paper, gave us the best opportunity for survival because he's done it so many times. Um, yeah, I kind of already fear for our pod at the end of the season where we go, oh, that will be like, oh, in hindsight, we should have just got him in. And it's it's so difficult to stick your kind of flag on a mast here in, in either side because, like we said, nobody knows anything about him. He could be... It could, could again, be a good everybody thing. will make this comparison. Graham Potter came from Sweden. No one knew very much about him. Turned out to be a great coach who turned Swansea around. They got good money for him. Great at Brighton. Yeah, all right. Not so great at Chelsea, but still an in-demand manager. Um, yeah, the flippy floppy nature is right. We seem to be on this path of right. We had a Warburton. We wanted someone better than him, so we went for Beal. But we were linked with Cifuentes. So that well, supposed style of football. There's got to be some similarities between them, right? Because you don't have people on a list, on a short list that are ma- massively different. So that's why, to me, this can't have come down to an interview process between Warnock and Cifuentes, because that's two completely different yeah, ends of the spectrum. The there's no there's no common ground there. There's no overlap. Whereas if you were like, OK, it's between a Rao and a Eustace, you could be like, OK, well, we, we need to interview both and we need to discuss the pros of each and the uh, cons of each, etc. There is some element of lined up thinking there. This... Who knows? Ultimately. Like, I think, you know, it feels like something's happened with the Warnock negotiations or something's broken down there because I don't know, yeah. It, the way it was just reported and it came out so soon after the Ainsworth news, Warnock set for the job. You think, okay, well, it makes sense. Warnock didn't want to manage the Leicester game. He wants a full week ahead of yeah. Rotherham. I was expecting it Monday morning, you know, the you know, the announcement. So this, as you say, is if it's come at a massive 180 to go to a guy that was in charge of a team tonight from Warnock potentially. And I it doesn't feel like a lot of joined up thinking, which go figure with the way the club <laughs> and like you you look at like short lists and stuff and it's usually the same names getting touted about all the time. And Bill was a bit of a, a you know it was a bit of a, a different appointment it seemed to work on the surface of it for the most part until we left. I mean Whatever happens, the new manager's still got the same issues. Where are the goals coming from in this team? Mm. And how are the goals coming yeah. in from the other end? And, you know, are these players, again, a new manager from abroad coming in with a new style of play needs buy-in from these players. How willing are these players to adapt again to another new manager when they've shown that they've not been very willing to adapt to managers post-bill? So I'm, you know, I'm more intrigued, but in brackets, quite concerned um, with this appointment you know if I'm honest like I, if it was done in the summer I'd be quite like excited by it and you know here we go let's give him a full pre-season and you know see how it pans out but because it's mid-season 
in the situation that we're in, it just felt like, you know, we are happy to be proved wrong. I hope back out when we start playing lovely football and we, you know, we start getting some decent points totals on the board, but you know, it does make that Rotherham game absolutely fascinating to see from a new a number of reasons, stylistically, effort levels from the players, what minute we're going to get our next red card, you know, it's all sorts. Of- <laughs> well, the bigger question is, Jack, is will Willick and Richards be involved? I think it's just a bigger question as all the Richards. Um, what a what a waster. Yeah, in my opinion, so disrespectful to be like absolutely. But uh, you don't want to see that, especially when the noises have come out from him that he's a player that's not applying himself in training, etc. And he's not someone that's really tried to get his head right for QPR. It just reminds me of like a Jay Emanuel Thomas all over again. You know, it's just absolutely waste of just picking up a wage. But I'm happy again. Is he the sort of player that needs to manage to put an arm around him and G him up in the Tarap, you know, man motivating style? We don't know. But yeah, um, Willock and Chair, I would hope in would flourish in a new system of a manager that wants to play progressive football. Richards, I'm not even sure he's a footballer at this point. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I think that that's what makes me think, okay, have they almost, has the club gone, right, we aren't, we're not uh, increasing the value of any of our players here. Our two best players are Ilias Chair and Chris Willock. So shall we bring in a manager who will get the best out of our two best players if we kind of set the Willock contract thing aside, raise their value because when they're firing, we're a better team. I don't think this appointment should be as simple as that, but that is a possible line of thinking. And on the topic of uh, new managers coming in, I listened to the the TIFO football podcast this morning. They had a um, performance, uh, a head of performance on there. And he was talking, getting a lot of, gave some really good insight and basically he was uh, explaining how kind of clubs monitor injuries and the whole topic was about like our professional footballers playing too many minutes now and that's what drives injuries. What he was actually saying was it's not just the minutes they play on the pitch but it's also all the training minutes they get and he then made even better point which I'd never thought about was every time a manager changes they have different training structure um which then puts pressure on the players because they're used to, so all these players have been used to a system, right? That certain training on certain days, and then a new manager comes in, he'll want to do his own things. So that puts different pressure on all of the players from a fitness level. We've already got a tiny squad. So when I heard that this morning, I'm like, cool, we're going to bring in a new manager. We've got so many suspensions. We've got so many injuries anyway then by the nature of a new manager, that changes the training schedule. So are we now going to be like, great, that will be more injuries. And you can't help that. We needed a new manager, but there's just kind of another uh, iron in the fire here, I thought I'd mention. So what, what, what does he need to, I guess let's ask Doug, what does he need to do then to get this team going? What, what I know there's a lot, but what... Where, can, where does he where does he start? Well, we need to get goals from somewhere. Like that's our big thing. We just we aren't making chances. We're not like so we're not making them. We ain't gonna be scoring them. And goals win games. I don't care how defensively solid you can be. You, if you could be the, have the best defense in the league, you can still concede a goal every game. You lose if you're not scoring. We need to be scoring. He needs to get like um, Jack said, Chrissy Willock, Ilias Chair, even Smith. 
Dykes, all of them firing. Any of like all our creative players, he needs to get positive and do whatever it takes to get them back to their level that they can play at. And then <laughs> just hope for the best, really, and to try and muddle our way through to January. And hopefully we can make, get some reinforcements in then. And we're not too far adrift. Yeah, he's got to get the players engaged, doesn't he? First thing, he's got to get the players that have looked disinterested on board. And you always think to get the best out of this QPR team, you need Cher and Willock playing together in close proximity in the attacking third. And anything after that is a, you know, hopefully, you know, is a bonus and then lead to chances for other players around them. So that would be like my, you know, what I would think the first port, port, port call, sorry, to get goals in the team would be to get those flair players creating chances for others. And first of all, to get them the ball. You know, in the previous setup, it was just channel balls for Armstrong and Dykes to chase down and then, or Chad dribbling the ball into corners, blind alleys with no one to support him. So, yeah, there's got to be, I'm hoping for a more joined up tactical approach and, you know, let's see if he can do it. He's got a short turnaround. And not a lot of players, really. If you think about, I'm not sure who's back and who isn't, but we certainly don't have a centre midfield and we don't have any defenders. Um, I, Cook might be back. I mean, I've got no issue with Field playing centre-back. I actually think he's a decent centre-back, really. Um, but when you play him centre-back, you lose him in the centre midfield. Do we have the quality to back up to cover him in centre midfield? We definitely don't come Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he's going to do. Without It's difficult to think. What, do we think that the team will be driven by Paul Hall or Ramsey? Or, I just can't see how... In two days, it makes it difficult to be able to pick a team that's di- any different to what Ainsworth would be able to put out. I think it then just comes down to the attitude thing, right? Doesn't it? Mm. Like you could pick the same eleven players in theory, but a new manager should they should react to that. That's kind of what we've got to got to hope for, really. I guess the overall point is it can't be it can't be much worse, can it? Of, of what we've you know, watched this season, we, it has been that bad. And yeah. knowing every game, we're like, okay, this is, we know this is going to be bad. So it can't, it can't get worse. We're at no, we're already at rock bottom, basically. Now, is is a game against your relegation rival? Is that the perfect game, or is that a game you don't want? Like, if I was a Rotherham fan, I'd be there, being like, oh bollocks, they've now sacked him, they brought in someone new. The players will have an uptick because that's how it should work. If roles were reversed, we'd be gutted that a team just got rid of a manager who was doing this badly and then we got to play them. So, um, but yeah, who knows? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Yeah, agree. It can't get any worse. And the, the performance level has been so low that surely there's a reaction, uh, you know, a new manager bounce, so to speak. It won't take much, will it, to be better than what we've... Yeah, but these players, mate, they, they, they've, they're used to new managers, right? This is nothing new to them, right? They've seen, you know, we all are fifth manager in... in yeah. I think I'd look, 60, 70% of this team, 60% of this team, still the same squad, you know, that has been here for Critchley, Beal, a lot of Warburton. They know that this is nothing new to them. So uh, it's, it's damning, isn't it? If we go on Saturday and put in a, in, in do something, do you know what I mean? It all feels and looks different. You start seeing players playing, doing things. It's damning on Ainsworth that happens. But I think, I think that is going to be challenging for him. Sorry to interrupt. I was just going to yeah, say, well, looking at his CV, he's managed in multiple countries, multiple teams. So he's used to changing clubs. And if yeah. he has potentially implementing that into his teams, and he has joined teams mid-season as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, maybe he has a bit of experience in this and maybe he's reassured the board that he can get his message across pronto, really. Sorry to keep flip-flopping between Ainsworth. And, and, and the new manager. I think we were expecting that appointment right in the middle of the pod, as good as it was. Um, just quickly going back to Ainsworth, uh, I asked you all before to sort of think about your sort of best moment with Ainsworth, sort of maybe your worst moment, and also the moment that you knew that, you know, he couldn't continue, probably wasn't um, Leicester. So, um, Chris, what have you got, mate? Uh best moment's got to be the Burnley game I think that was yeah, yeah I mean you mentioned earlier it's a complete fluke it happens one in a hundred times that that game plays out but it happened that time in a time where I was yeah really thought we were going down we're about to play the best team in the league haven't lost at home all season and we were seriously bad and yet we won like result absolutely nobody expected incredible yeah, pure, well, there's elements of luck to it, right? But the, but then you could also claim, oh, the goal line clearances, that's players playing for that win and it felt like there was heart and desire and the Armstrong sub worked perfectly and that training ground routine from a corner worked. And yeah, just um, we'll always have that win. And that was that was the point you're like, cool, we, we'll stay up. And then the... Um, but the worst for me, and it, it's the same, it's the same answer to to both of your questions in terms of worst moment and the point of, that he had to go or had no return was that Blackburn game. So I spoke about it on here, completely tactically inept, no idea what he was doing. Saw a massive weakness in the team that everybody saw, and he didn't react. And um, yeah, that was the point. I was like, okay, this is completely gone. You you aren't showing anything here. Um, so yeah those are the ones for me Doug any, anything different what you got um, I was going to say the um, positive was the um, 1-0 Watford win at home last season I think we just I thought oh, okay he's got a solid we ground out a hard fought win at home I thought that was going to be like a base for us to build on under Ainsworth um, and I thought a lot of players like played out their skin that day for him and I thought Actually, there was positives, a lot of positives for him to take from it. And I thought we would really progress and it just didn't happen, unfortunately. Um, 
I suppose the most negative one that's got to be what, a couple of days after that, Blackpool away, 6 1. Like, just how quickly, how just quickly you think everything was so positive to everything going so wrong to a relegation rival at the time. That was a huge red flag, that dog, wasn't it? That, that, yeah, I think the, the, the time turnaround, you win 1 0, forget, and you go and lose 6 1 to a team that like, they've they barely a, scored, have they? It, it showed a lack of like managerial kind of expertise by playing exactly the same 11 who'd ran their absolute socks off to get the one nil win and then what two three days later played exactly the same team and within two minutes we were one nil down and it just was an absolute horror show that night um but i think the moment for me when he had to go was the the week of pre-season where it went five nil at oxford oh. four nil at watford like in that week it, after losing that last game 5-0, you're going to show, right, first game of the season, we are not having a repeat of this. This was a one-off in, in a friendly, not going to happen in, in the league. Get our heads right, 30 seconds, 1-0 down. Half-time, 4-0 down. Like, he just was, it just looked like he was completely out of his depth there and he had no idea what to do to change it. In the ground, you're seeing him at the side of the pitch, head in his hands after the second goal, looking up at the skies, wondering, what do I do from here? And that, for me, was when I knew he was way out of his depth. That pre-season point is what I've got. I wasn't going to say it, but I was going to bring it up. It was, I did, that, that was, this pre-season was probably the worst pre-season we've ever had. Probably the worst pre-season that he could have imagined, really, if you think about it, with a relation to... I mean, what was the point of the Austria tour? There was zero point in it. Absolutely zero. No one came in of any relevance, really, until the end of the window. He's playing. People in pre-season, he's not going to play, Right. I think I think I looked. I think sixty six out of the eleven we played in preseason didn't even. I've barely even played. I think they certainly haven't started more than a couple of games. So it, that's just a massive issue, isn't it? And then you go and lose your four. You go and lose five 0 to Oxford. Then you lose your first game four 0 Then you abandon everything you've done in preseason. You abandon it completely. Change off the back of a discussion in a meeting with people who we don't know who. Ugh, it was just a mess there. That was a big red flag, wasn't it? Sorry, I just thought that was. It's worth pointing out, Jack. I don't know if you had anything different, mate. Well, both, yeah, both my best and worst moments have been said already. So I'll think of a couple more. <laughs> on um, but I think best moment, other than meeting a W12 podcast in the summer, great, <laughs> would have been me that I was going to say Watford home win because it felt like that was going to be a snapshot into what an Ainsworth team was going to be nasty competitive, a bit of time wasting in your faces, you know, real blood and guts, you know, but com really competitive. However, I think as that's been mentioned, I think there's not too many positives to draw on, but Cardiff away this season also looked like a snapshot of what, okay, there was a good reaction to Watford, you know, didn't, no one expected that. Armstrong had a, his best game to date for QPR, you know, he worked well up front, Smith looked really dangerous and I thought, okay, I can see this, you know, this is a blueprint for the away games and, you know, that gave me a bit of positivity, you know, going forward. But worst moment, um, again, I was going to say the Blackburn game, but because it was when we set the club record winless run at home um, and that's on obviously on Ainsworth's name, that's a real low light. But obviously after the Leicester game, it you know, it confirmed to be the first time we've ever lost 10 of our first 14 league games in a season in our club history. You know, there's just, there are quite a few low lights. So there are a few maybe the, the hacker wasn't the best idea you know I know he's trying to play a buy-in the fact that they branded it on social media was 
the worst moments for Ainsworth. Kind of undermined yeah. point is, I think, with that. Yeah, agree. Oh, do you know what, Jack? You know, you said about the him beating the W twelve guy, lads. That was a massive eye opener to me. I was really worried after that. I know we spoke after all of us, but some of the things he was saying in that meeting were very, very worrying. Very worrying. Um, I it, to the point where when he was speaking, he was saying things. You look around the room and everybody's looking at each other, going, "What is that? Right? Did he just say that?" And and, and not just. So that was worrying. I'm sure Doug, you'll agree. And Jack, yeah. actually, I, I think we spoke after as well about some of the worrying things he said. What was one of them? If, I can't even remember it, Doug. I've tried to erase it from my head. If, what was it about? Was it three, oh, in, in three years' time, we'll, I'll make sure we're challenging for mid-table. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, that, literally the whole room were just like, what the hell is this? So anyway, that, and I, I always think his, 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 his media work was, was really poor. I don't know about anyone, anyone else thinks of it, but I always think when you're saying things like that, doing things like that, things are going okay, you'll, you'll get away with it. But once things start turning, performances are where you're saying they're going to be. People aren't putting it in. People are doing the things that you're saying that they're definitely going to do, definitely going to do. Mm. I think once that happens, you, you know, you're turning quicker than... Like, constantly saying we're going to react we're going to get a result next game. We're getting a result next game. We're getting a result and yeah. never be, we've been one or down after five minutes in the next game. And you know, we don't, like Jack said, we never scored more than two goals in a game under Ainsworth. So as soon as you go one, nil down, you know, we ain't getting back anything from the game. That commentary game as well was a massive one because I was there and I could see what Robbins was doing, right? He was tactically changing it to beat like we did it at half time. You could see what he was changing. Like, and we had no answers. We had literally no answers. And that's what we were 3-0 down within 10 minutes of the second half, 15 minutes because of that. Because we, Gareth Azeroth didn't react. And, and anyway. Don, but, um, just, before, just one more thing just to yeah, add. Yeah, no, no, no. Crap on. When we had, after the Blackburn defeat, and we had the international break and they do his pre-match for Huddersfield. And he said, right, what have you been working on? And he says about going to be more intense. And I'm just thinking, if that's not a sign that he's out of his depth, then has got no idea how to turn this around. I thought that was the most telling thing, really. Anyone, Chris, anything final on on on, on Ainsworth and, and any observations of his time that would stand out? Maybe not an overall point, but I'm kind of, I mean, I'm glad he didn't go out and we got stuff five 0 by Leicester. I mean, we've talked about how his time was, well, yeah, really poor and Jack's reeled off record after record that were negative and awful. But at least at least result-wise, it wasn't too bad on Saturday. I think everybody expected a, a mauling um, by the best team in the league. But actually, we were we were competitive for the first up, well, until the, until the red, really. I wouldn't. I'd say we're never going to win the game because Leicester were. They were always in control, and they never looked worried. They weren't going to score. It was a very kind of confident swagger display from them, being like, "Look, we're going. We are going to pick you off eventually." But we we scored, which I didn't, no one expected. <laughs> like there was there was, that was a positive. Um, until yeah, just completing that brain dead moment from Dizel, but. Um, yeah, I mean, 
hopefully from now on there will be some positivity about going back to Loftus Road and feels like we might actually win because yeah I think I've mentioned it before but I missed that Watford game so I haven't seen us win at home in over a year <laughs> and that is just like oh that's crazy like, it's crazy wife, all Once the time, a lifetime like, stats. why are you going and it's like how do you explain to a non-QPR fan or a non-football fan why you're going <laughs> and she's you get home and she's like oh I saw they lost again yeah well you could should have spent it here with me and your daughter it's like yeah, <laughs> I know we're going to lose, but I still want to go. Like that's just yeah, what you do. But versus Bristol City, you might walk through the door at six o'clock and be like, "We won! It was amazing." Um, yeah. Everyone, every, the thing with the thing with the couple of those points we've made is that you like you know the Cardiff win. It was very unpredictable. We did a random thing that Cardiff weren't expected, right? And that's one reason why we won that game, right? I think, is that Cardiff weren't expecting us to play like that. We kind of bamboozled them a little bit and hung on and, and played quite well. But I always think like we, to get anything from a game, everyone has to be 8 out of 10. Everybody, I've always said yeah. it to you, Duncan, I? everybody's got yeah. to be 8 out of 10, like they were at Leicester and we're in the game. But it just it, that just will not happen consistently, if you know, or regularly. It will just happen every now and again. We need, you know... But but what I, w- what I was going to say, what I will say is, and, and it... And it, and it it's not all Gareth Ainsworth's fault. I really don't believe that. I think the board have got to hold some sort of responsibility here. Um, I, I don't know why we didn't bring a striker in. I mean, I could, that's not Gareth Ainsworth, I don't believe. He must have known we needed a striker, surely. Like, anyone... Why did we not bring one in? And the other point I wanted to make quickly, Doug, and then you can come in, is... I was going to say, yeah, that's Players. It's the players need to... We can't... These players, man, they get... Like, what is wrong with them? Like Ilias Chair, for example, what a player! Like what has happened to him in the last this year? He, he looks like he's. It looks like he's not interested, but he's tried enough. I don't know. It just that's what it looks like from the pitch. You never know, I, I, you know what's going on behind closed doors, but he just hasn't looked anywhere near the same Ilias Chair this year than he has any other year. He looks like he's sulking to me. Sorry, Doug. No, I was just gonna say, I, I get what you're saying a little bit about the signings, but at the same time, Ainsworth. Brought in numerous defenders like Colbag, people like that. So surely he was was looking at a striker. If he wasn't, that's down to him, not so much the board on that level. It's not like he wasn't given any kind of leeway to get anybody in. Like that's what we don't know, in. do we? Because he wanted, well, well, he the wanted board, aren't, the board aren't going to turn around and say you can only sign defenders. Like, he wanted Chris Martin, didn't he? He did everything he could to get Chris Martin, we're told, right? He wanted Gate, he wanted Wing. Like he wanted that for Neo, right? And all, this was all sort of boards, whatever reason we didn't get him. He wanted them. He said these were the top targets. Not that all of them, but a couple of them were like players he wanted. But I just, I, I mean, I don't know. I just can't believe we didn't bring a striker in. I don't know who to blame, no, but it's just, I just cannot believe it. We had Martin and Lowe last season, Tim, like players that attack him. We've got none of them. Yeah. This season, I know what else. We've got no goals in the team. When you think Chrissy Willock's not been on the pitch, really, Ilias Chair's probably in the worst form of his QPR career. Paul Smith's playing the right wing back. Paul Smith's like, but this is the problem. We brought Paul Smith when he he was what League Two in League Two team of the year up there. He was playing left wing. Ilias Chair wants to play off the left. Chrissy Willock wants to play off the left. So our three most attacking options and creative options all want to play in the same or similar positions. How do you fit them all in a team? 
like this is the problem. Dykes can go away for Scotland, but then doesn't feature for us in the first game back after the international break every single time. What's that about? Obviously, I, talking about the board, um, we haven't even mentioned the fact that they've changed the name of the stadium yet. Like, it's very convenient that we've had a name change. And, change. and then the manager sacked, yeah. And then we've managed to buy out a manager from his contract and bring him in. I'm, I'm sure he's not, yeah. As well as sacking Gareth Ainsworth. I don't know, it feels very coincidental. Oh, we've, we've changed the name of the stadium. Oh, by the way, Gareth Ainsworth sacked all the fans and now, yeah, we're getting a new manager. Not concentrating on the fact that we've changed the name of the stadium. Whether, and, but then the details of that are very strange. Like there's no like figure of floating about of, oh, we're doing it for this amount of money, this like... Well, Abbott's on the board use this... of that company, isn't he? Yeah, you know that? exactly. We, no, like, Ruben is. Ruben, Ruben the, sorry. And sorry, the company's Ruben. worth billions, apparently. So how much are we getting for, for doing this? Are we going to be having funds now to spend in January? Is this a way to wiggle around FFB? Like... It's definitely that. It's yeah. Been, yeah, it's almost been proven. And that's why you don't put a number out because you only wait to release it in the accounts. My only, like, I, I kind of understand why fans are annoyed. Honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all. I know exactly why we're doing it. You need to put as much revenue as you can to the club as possible. Again, timing doesn't bother me. It's a it's a deal. It's a business deal. It had to get done at some point. It gets announced. What I don't understand is, has it taken them this long to actually work out the exact FFP uh, legalities as to now we feel confident that, that you can do that? Ultimately, Ruben puts in more money from a different pot that he's got to help the club because that's what it is. Um, yeah, exactly what it is. Same so to me, I don't understand why we didn't do that ages ago. And there has to be a reason for that. And it has to be why well, we wanted 10 different lawyers to check that this this was the right way of doing it. Um, because, I mean, Stoke do it all the time. Like, we did it. All this was just, we just, all this we was... just went down the other route of doing it for a charity, didn't we? Which was for a great cause, according to um, the Kyan Prince Foundation Stadium. It was brilliant. Like, it's a brilliant reason to do it. But... That was two years of us not getting any money for name changing the stadium name when all the other clubs were saying are doing it. Like, okay, it makes us... It makes us the community team of the year and all that kind of stuff, but then we got no money from doing the Kyan Prince Foundation Foundation Stadium, did we? I think it was, was always us. weird. I think it was, a, it was a great thing to do and I think the club should yeah. still be lauded for that. What was odd was when that name was dropped, we didn't automatically get... A sponsor in at that time because yeah. that is logical right you've you've kind of made this bridge of going look we're going to have a different name for the stadium so fans can get used to it and ultimately this is modern football you have to sponsor everything you possibly can and get a commercial deal for everything if someone wanted to be the blooming ketchup sponsor of QPR and they gave us 500 quid we'd, we'd have to take it that's just the way football is and especially our club is but the bridge in the time we didn't have a sponsor board just just seemed odd, seemed like a missed opportunity, like you said. Definitely. And if we haven't, very Chris to say, like, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Sorry. Um, that if it is a multi-year deal, this Matrade naming rights, is it just was it done with the short-term view that to get rid of the manager and to get more players in in January, or have they sort of thought, okay, it's going to be worth this amount in every window, and as the FFP cycles change and roll out. Are, you know, how is it going to impact? So I'm, I'm quite curious to know what that looks like in the transfer windows. But short, it does feel very like 
suspicious that it was done to get us out of this FFP hole that we've snookered ourselves in. And as you say, it's not just on Ainsworth. A lot of this is the board's doing for not selling players at the right time when they had a value and interest. And that part, you know, Ferdinand's been saying in podcasts since he's left that, you know, that's part of the reason you know, his remit kept changing. And we know the board are very flip-floppy, as Chris has mentioned before and earlier in this pod. And it's just with being I think, one of the most poorly run clubs for a long time in English football. And we're lucky that they put the money in, but it's to pay for their mistakes for the most part. And someone like Lee, who's, you know, quoting in the app. Oh, don't. Uh, what, what is that about? Recruitment. recruitment. Outrageous. He, when he joined, he said he was the numbers guy and he leads the football people. Does he see himself as a football person now? Because he's worked at QPR for a long time in Burnley and whoever else. But it just makes it feel comical, you know. Some of the, you know, some of the stuff going on behind the scenes. And you're right; it's not always about the manager. And at some point, there has to be a look at what's going on above him. Careful, it's just a, it's a double edged sword. About them would be, yeah, plummeting yeah. down instructions. So. You Unless do? you can get some Saudi money or something, but even then they can't spend it because of FFP. Do you think that, the, the, that this deal was it was always there in the background as a last resort when we when we really were up against FFP and we left it in our back pocket, and and now we're here. We need we need to sack another manager. We need to bring in another manager. Hence, let's pull out of our back pocket. It's got that feel to it, doesn't it? Because you're right. The, the, why would we the, not have done this earlier? The timing makes it feel that's exactly what it's for. It's to get rid of Ainsworth, get the new manager in, and potentially give him some funds in January to try and keep us in this division. But it could well be too little too late. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed with Richard Dobson as well. He really disappoints me, he disappointed me. I don't know why. I talk, listen to him and he talks really well. And I, I thought that he would be the mastermind behind, behind Gareth Ainsworth, if you like. He'd be the face and, and he'd be the one doing the coaching and drilling in something, some sort of mentality and some sort of tactical approach. But I just, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I've just not seen anything. We we're just as bad now as we were when he took over. I never think he said in all those podcasts, which I thought, ah, oh, he sounds like he knows what he's doing. I mean, it doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing, but it's just, I, I find a bit frustrated that, like, especially with like the Blackburn game, I know it's not ultimately up to him who makes the subs, but, you know how how we left on how no subs came on. I just I still could never get over it. From seventieth minute, I reckon he thought that was the end. Again, I've got another theory. <laughs> um, Ainsworth thought it hit that was the end, and he wanted to leave the players out there to deal with it for as long as possible. I don't know. That's my theory. Yeah, it feels like there's feel like we're going to get some great truths in maybe five to ten years from both Ferdinand and Ainsworth. <laughs> And hopefully it'll be this pod that gets them on and we get we get the truth firsthand. But um yeah, there's yeah. We're gonna hear a lot about what goes on behind the behind the scenes at some point, aren't we? Um God knows where we'll be then either, Chris. Yeah, that's a very what good point. Oh lads, right. Um anything else? Have we missed anything that's happening this week? I mean, Jesus, what a week. Um was there anything that anyone wanted to pick up on or noticed? Or... Well, we've, we've slightly touched on Dazelle, but we need to actually speak about how stupid he actually was. I can't. Like, 
it was a it was, like I thought, you know what, he's taken a yellow for the team because it was an obvious foul. He ran back, the player was about to get into the box. Fair enough, he's took him out, pulled him down. It's a yellow card, just deal with it. Get back into the box, get into position, whatever. Yes, he gets like he gets shoved by the other player. Why shove him back? Like you've just no, you've just fouled him. You're probably gonna get a booking for it. Why react in any way? Oh, it just wound me up that he was so stupid. And we had it, Jimmy Dunn last like the week before doing it, the game before doing it. Dissell, oh, just irritates me. It practice it. <laughs> Actually, the ref did really well to, yeah. um, you know, it was a real moronic action from Dizel. The foul, you know, most players would make that foul and then let the player getting up be all angry and push you and then get him booked for the, his reaction to your bad foul. But to hard oh, man and try and push him back down, it was just like, it's just symptomatic of where we're at, where we're at, I think, as a club. And, you know, it doesn't happen often where a player scores and gets sent off for QPR. Last time it happened was Charlie Austin in 2014 against Burnley. So it's a rare occasion there, another stat, but... You know, it's annoying. Dizelle's a really frustrating player. He's shown signs of actually being half decent, half useful this season and chipped in with a couple of goals. But you can't counteract with stupidity like that. And also, I just want to shout out Jack Colback getting suspended. I mean, don't that's in the in in the chat. So I'll let you lead with that one. But like, awful, awful bit of well. Uh, he's missed four games now out of the thirteen he's been available for from suspensions. And obviously the red card against Sunderland, it was a over the top tackle. But he's had other chance, other games where you think he's living on the edge, he's yeah. diving into tackles. That's not the experienced head we needed. We needed someone who's going to come in and play forty games a season for us and be on the pitch week in week out and telling the younger guys what to do, get in position and all that kind of stuff. Not run around like a headless chicken, diving in and out of challenges, getting himself booked every single... He's an easy... If you're a betting man, yellow card every time for callback. Every single game, just dives in for no reason. Again, though, it's injuries that have... Because I think Azraf said it, and I agree with him. When we had Cook and Fox in the back, we looked all right. We looked like defensively, we looked... Like, we weren't scoring, but we looked okay defensively with them two in there. I think when them two, you know, injured, and he had Dardu barely played and... Clark Sotter, who could, God knows, made a glass. Well, you know, God knows what could happen to him. You've got them two at centre-back. I, I, yeah, I think that was a big turning point for, for uh, Gareth Ainsworth as well, them two getting injured, especially Cook. But again, Fox, he was quality, wasn't he? He was really good, and, you know, up until his injury. So I think they're big misses. Um, I see, see Claire's injured again. Is that confirmed? Not injured again. I say injured Or just again, not but... in the squad? So we assumed he was injured. He, he, he said he picked up an injury in his interview. Um, mm. so, so that could be frustrating. I don't know. Again, and this is another Gareth mode. Sorry to go on, but just the vagueness of every bit of detail we get is so vague. It's so annoying, isn't it? It's just like, oh, we just don't know. what. Like, Kirk, God knows when he's back, really. He keeps saying he's close every week, but he's not. Just God knows when he's back. Fox had surgery a week ago. He isn't going to be back for ages, but we don't... Why can't you say that? You know, um, you know, he said Sinclair picked up a knock. I mean, God knows what that means. It's frustrating. I, I know Kinda why they do the, it. Yeah, it, it got, got to the stage far. now where a player that wasn't mentioned in the press conference, you'd be like, okay, 
which of these five players is now not going to be in the squad Saturday when it's announced at two o'clock with a mystery injury that was yesterday or this morning? <laughs> and it's just like, oh, come on. This is just, yeah, really stupid. I said it before, like, there's... Well, I was going to say, will teams set up differently because uh, one of our players, so like a Steve Cook, isn't playing? Well, if Dunn wants to show kind of complete stupidity, then maybe they will because they'll be like, cool, well, we can rattle these these players. But yeah, centre-back and centre-mid on Saturday could be very bloody interesting because if field, field can't play everywhere, we've got one Sam Field. Considering Colback and Dezella are out, he has to play centre-mid. We think he, or you you said, Ben, you think he's going to play with uh, Duke McKenna because who else is there that plays that? Well, to be fair, Dixon Bonner could play actually. Oh no! Um, well, I mean, Honestly, what, that guy—I don't even. I, what options have we got? Is what? No, is what I know. Either. It's not your fault. I'd rather have Duke in there. He's not great either, but Dixon Bonner doesn't do anything. He's not. I don't know. He just floats around the pitch and put his foot out, and he'll pass. And he'll, I mean, he did that one one thing. I can't remember the game when he took on a player. I can't remember what the game was, but oh no. Got, I don't know who even know who else you could put in there. Who've we got a centre back then? We've got Jimmy Dunn back from suspension. Well, Cook, well, like I said, Cook could be back. We don't know. So you could have done Reggie Cannons apparently could play centre back as well. Like him mm-hmm. and the appearances he's made. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Positive. Yeah, yeah I, until we, let's see what we can do to him. Yeah. It's <laughs> a proper negative mode here. It's a proper uh, dunk mode. Hey, I was only negative about Ainsworth. I'm positive now. <laughs> We've got to have someone who's willing to, who knows they're going into a battle against Hugel on Saturday. Like, oh. whoever it is, whoever is playing centre back, just know you're in for a battle and be like, well, I'm going to give him as good as I get. And if it's, I mean, God, like, if it's done in Kakai, then oh, he's no. going to pull on to Kakai all the time. But if, if, if Aussie oh. knows going into the game, right, like, this guy's just going to try and get under my skin and, um, bully meal game then give as good as you get um and that's maybe why you say yeah duke mckenna maybe is the better bet in center mid because he does like a tackle and we can't have people fannying around and going oh i'm going to dip my toe into this tackle that yeah the main thing we want on saturday is commitment from every one of those players and if they go in with the oh like i'm just picturing it's going to be awful weather like pissing it down all day because I can't yeah. imagine a game away at Rotherham is going to be nice. But just just show us something that you you'll like I kind of said at the beginning, which I didn't mean to, that you want to be there, that you feel that that this can happen and you can get something out of this game and you can survive. We go up there and like they just lost to what everybody else thought were the worst team in the league. Two nil. Like away at Shipper Wednesday. If we can't I mean, if we can't get anything against them, we do deserve to go down. So, show something. Powell, you know, we've been told so many times he can step into centre mid, so maybe this is finally his chance to play alongside field in centre mid. That might want to go. And have have Lakesh back at left back. Right, At least it'd be a left footer playing at left back. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, Jack. (laughs) How long will um, Clark Salt be out for, do we think, now? Probably won't see him till Christmas. Forever. Oh, God. Uh, 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 all right, lads. We'll, let, we'll leave it there. 
Um, tough week, but you know, a win at Rotherham. Everything could look a bit different. New manager. Um, welcome, Marty Sifrientes. Is that right? Sifuentes. Sifuentes. Welcome um, from the W Twelve podcast. <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking about you a lot, lots in the, in the uh, time to come. And um, please just play some nice football. That's all I ask. Yeah, four passes in a row. I'll take that. What was that mad status or around passes? Was it like uh, against um, West Brom? Dezel had four completed passes, and, and their two centre backs had nearly four hundred. <laughs> uh, we have we average one one point five passes a minute against Leicester. <laughs> It's just you can't win football games like that, can that's you? A, that's just basically a, a pass a minute. That's ninety pass. Just over, we had literally about one hundred and forty passes. I think it was in the whole game. What was what was the Burnley one? Was it like Sam Field had one completed pass or something? Yeah. That was Tim Tim that had none, wasn't it? Yeah. Tim, played, Tim one. played sixty minutes and barely did anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. All right, lads. Well, have a great rest of the week, and um, let's hope we can get a result Saturday. You ours. Yours. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.